Welcome to Lost in Translations. I'm joined with Mary and we are talking about the International Book of Prize Longlist for 2020. Welcome back to Lost in Translations. I am joined once again with my wife Mary and we are talking about the International Booker Prize yeah. long list. Welcome back. Thank you. Thanks for having me back. <laughs> thought we should do this as an episode because it was the first episode we did it. Well, I did by myself. And then last year I did it with Agnes as okay. a reaction. So I thought maybe we needed to keep with the tradition. Yes. But this time we're doing it with you. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know. It'd just be interesting to talk about the topic with someone that might not be aware of all the books, might not have any idea what the books are about, but have probably listened to me talk about yes. this prize over and over again. That's right. I am a bit of an outsider. Yeah. So hopefully you have something interesting to say. Well, it could be an interesting way to react to it as like someone that follows it closely and someone that doesn't. Yes. So what I thought I'd do is we'll go through each of the books nominated and get your opinion on them. Okay. If you know anything about them. And I might try and describe each book as well briefly because trying to give a synopsis of a book that I've never read is often difficult. That's right. But you have read some of them. I have read some of them. Three of them so far. I thought you said four. I've almost read four. Oh. I've always finished the fourth one. So the first is called Red Dog by Willem Acko, and it was translated by Michelle Hines, and this is Afrikaan from South Africa. Have you heard much about that? The only Red Dog I know is the Australian movie? Not that. Okay. What's this one about? This is more about rural farming, I believe, in South Africa. I believe Afrikaan is a predominantly white South African language, if I remember correctly. I, so. I think it's like the colonizer. So it would have been nice to have a person of color from Africa, but. Yeah, so that author's not. No, nah, he's white. Yeah, at least they've got one from Africa. Yeah. It could have been more. Of course. Yeah, once we go through them, maybe we'll go a general impression of the list. Yeah. The next one, we've got The Enlightenment of the Green Gauge Tree by Sukuf Azar, and that translation is by Anonymous. Yes. This is a Farsi book from... Australia. I read. <laughs> but it was an Australian publisher. Yeah, it was an Australian publisher originally. A couple of years ago. A couple of years ago, and it was then published by Europa Editions, which made it eligible for the prize. And it was nominated for the Stella Prize? Yeah, it was long-listed for the Stella Prize, I think, two years ago. What, if it's an Iranian book, how was it eligible for the Stella Prize? Because it was published by an Australian publisher. Was that the first time it had been published? I believe so. How did that come to be an Australian published book? I don't know. The author lives in Australia now in the dedication. They did um, thank Australia for giving them a home. It's nice for us to do that for a change. Yeah, we don't normally do that. And I believe they are an Australian now. Oh, that's exciting. So I don't think they had any problems like all the other ones that we claim for literary prizes. Yeah. 
Did you it, have a synopsis about that book? It's hard to explain. It's um, like a generation, like growing up in Iran type book and the struggles with the Iranian revolution and stuff like that. It is on my TBR. So yeah, it is something I'm really looking forward to. I've started, I've read a couple of chapters. It's about childhood so far, so... Do you own it? Yes, I own all the books that have been released. But some are on Kindle, aren't they? Or Scrib. Okay. But I do have a paperback copy of this book, the Australian edition, which I keep trying to wonder why this is anonymous, because the Australian one names the translator. Do they use the same translator? Apparently so. If they get shortlisted, apparently the publisher has to organise the translator and the author to be present for the announcement of the winner. So that's in the rules for the Booker Prize, and I don't know how they're going to get around that. So my only thought is it's going to be long-listed but not short-listed because of the anonymous translator. I don't know why the translator is now anonymous. Could be because they want to protect their privacy because they live in maybe America or something like that. That's my first thought. It wouldn't be too hard to find out who they are, so maybe we shouldn't be talking about it if they want to be anonymous. True. Moving on. The next book is The Adventures of Chitta Iron by Gabriela Gabazon Kamara, translated by Iona McIntyre and Fiona McIntosh from Argentina, and this is published by Charcoal Press. I don't know much about this. I don't know much about this. I just know I really like Charcoal Press. And you love Argentinian literature. Yes, and they do a lot of South American literature. It's interesting. It, I automatically want to say China Ion, but it's China. Apparently, it's a Spanish word, Argentinian Spanish word. I can't remember what it actually means. I think it's something to do with being a woman. Okay. I don't remember exactly what it means. Awesome. But I do know it's China, not China. Should we look it up so you don't look ignorant? Well, I can't speak the language. You can Google language. Pronounce China, designation for female of the Quechua. There you go. I still don't know what it means. Iron, the English word for Fierro, reference to the gaucho Martin Fierro from Jose Hernandez's epic poem. Gives you an idea of what it might be about. What is it about? I don't know. (laughs) Okay, awesome. (laughs) I don't know. The next book is The Other Name, Cephology 1 and 2 by John Fossey, translated by Damien Shields, and this is from Norway, from Fitzcarrago Editions. Now, this is a book about a painter who lives in a fishing village, who has the same name as a painter that lives in another town, and it's like different people living the same life, doppelgangers. Do they look the same? Apparently, they look the and same. they have the same name. Yes. And they have the same occupation. Okay. It's like a look at what life would be like if things are slightly different. Okay. Like a parallel universe. Yeah, kind of. Like sliding doors, maybe, if one element of their life is slightly different. Okay. It sounds really interesting. It sounds very experimental. So I'm very curious to check that one out. Do you want me to read them? The Eighth Life by Nino Harazajavili. You did that really well. Yeah. It says German Georgia. Yes. Written in German. From Georgia. 
half of Georgia. Translated by Charlotte Collins and Ruth Martin from Scribe UK. This is a epic historic novel. It's about 950 pages long. Set in Georgia. I think it deals a lot with the history of Georgia. I think I want to read that. Yeah, I'm putting that one off to last because it's so long. Yeah. Georgia's one of the places I might go on my trips around the world. So I think I want to read that. All right, what's next? Serotonin by Michelle Welbeck. French from France, translated by Sean Whiteside from William Heinemann. Yes, I've read this one. You just finished it, did you? Yes. I have complicated feelings about Michelle Welbeck, as yes. you already know. Yes, tell me about that. Well, he's a bit of a dick. Yes. Yeah, so he comes across as misogynist and maybe a bit Islamophobic and just an angry old white man complaining about the world. But a lot, a lot of what he writes is very interesting in a way that he's trying to look at the world. Like in Serotonin, there's a lot about farming and the global economy and how much that's affecting the farming community and just causing them to struggle more with trying to keep those businesses alive. In this book, the guy is a agricultural engineer and his friend, who he went through uni with um, has a similar educational background but he decides to be a farmer and you kind of see the two struggle with the global situation from a government perspective Mm. and from a farmer perspective. Mm, That sounds interesting. It does and then you've got this guy he's a middle-aged man complaining about his love and sex life which is novel in all his books, and he is on an antidepressant that releases serotonin, yeah. and it's killed his libido. Okay. So there's that struggle with that going on as well, which I think would have been more interesting because Welbeck seems like a horny old man, and yeah. the idea that this guy has lost his libido would have been an interesting thing to explore more, I think. Yeah. Do you think that... Michelle Wolbeck is having troubles with his libido? Possibly. There is similarities. I believe he studied agriculture and he worked for the Ministry of Agriculture in France before becoming a writer. The character in this book had a relationship with a Japanese woman and I think Michelle Wolbeck's married to a Chinese woman. So there might be some similarities in his life that come across. But I also think he just likes to create controversy and likes to shock people and be yeah. transgressive on purpose. What is transgressive in a book about farming? Well, it's more about his way he talks about his girlfriend and his past lovers. He's very misogynistic in these um, thoughts and he deals a lot with like the sex tourism and yeah. pedophilia and sexual assault and all these kind of things. So it's more than a book about farming. And bestiality, yeah. And it gets really weird and really, like, we don't need that much detail in this topic, please move on type thing. But then he's got this interesting side of him. And what I think he does is he's tried to write books that challenge the reader, but he's also trying to, I feel like he's trying to fight against critics and readers because they automatically judge him as a writer before without ever reading him yes so i don't know why he would continue with the transgressive apart from him getting it, him attention i mean 
it's getting him a little... He, he likes to complain about the world, so I guess he likes to complain about readers and critics as well. Yeah. Um, I feel like I've judged him without reading him because you keep keep telling me he's a misogynist. Yeah. So I'm like, I've instantly dismissed him yeah. as ever... He's not going to ever read his books. <laughs> yeah, he's been called an Islamophobe as well, which I think... I don't like those people either. I don't think it's true, though. Yeah. I think he, like, he's said that Islam will fail because there are no gods and capitalism ruins religion. So I don't think he's Islamophobic. I just think he's anti-religion altogether. Yeah. I mean, religion's been going for a long time. Yeah. And, I mean, capitalism isn't a great reflection on any religion. Yeah, well... It, it was created it by religion. Protestants. Yeah. Um, I mean, not that Catholics are doing any better before that. No. But, I f- yeah, I don't see religion yeah. failing anytime soon. No. I-, I really liked his book about, called Submission, which was about the Islamic party taking mm. government in France and how that changed things and how people freaked out about it. And mm. It's like, really try to explore the far left and right wing politics and it seems to be very relevant today and I think serotonin is very relevant with the global economics and the way we are treating farming and agriculture. Yeah, I think that's a big issue in Australia at the moment because we've been in drought for so long and then we've had floods and yeah. And how that affects our farmers and how that then affects the rest of our society because that impacts what we have to eat and yes. other Yes, yeah. And um, then you're importing and exporting it and it's not helping. That's right. And now with coronavirus, it's probably going to impact on trade. Um, yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. So it does feel like a very relevant book. Yeah, I feel like the books I have read of his are very relevant and very much to do with the world. Mm. He just is terrible at marketing himself. But do you think he is just pretending? Oh, I reckon he's doing it on purpose because he gets the attention. Yeah. But he could but still he, be a misogynist. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> pretending to be a misogynist. Like, yeah. He's is that a, not just misogynistic Yeah, it's like itself? a 65-year-old man who's probably, that's his opinions. Do you think he's trying to convert you to become a misogynist with him? I don't think so. I think all his characters are very unlikable. Yeah. So I don't think he wants people to be like that. Don't you want to be an unlikable character? In a different way. I just want to be pretentious arsehole, not a misogynist. Okay, please don't be a misogynist. <laughs> Do you want to move on to the next book? Sure. We have Till by Daniel Kalman, translated from German, from Germany, translated by Ross Benjamin from... Quirkus? Quirkus, yes. Daniel Kellerman, I think, is one of the biggest German writers at the moment. He seems to be doing really well for himself. Mm-hmm. And this book is, it sounds like mythology and taking old folklore and doing something with that. Like, I don't know if it's bringing it into, it's not modern retelling, it's just a retelling of it. Mm-hmm. And it's not normally my thing. But 
I've heard really good things about it, so I will still be checking it out. I just, I normally stay away from fairy tale retellings or yeah. mythology retellings. It is one I keep seeing come up in Twitter and YouTube yeah. And stuff, so I think it must be quite popular. It is very popular. So next we have Hurricane Season by Fernanda Melkor, translated from Spanish, the book's from Mexico, translated by Sophie Hughes from Fitzgeraldo Editions. Yes, I'm reading this at the moment, and as you know, I really like South American literature. Mm-hmm. This has a bit like a is Southern Mexico Noir. South is Mexico South America? So This is North America, that's right. I like Latin American literature, let's go with that then. Okay. But it has this gritty, like, southern gothic noir style feel to it that I'm really enjoying. Out of all the titles, I don't even know why, but that's one that jumps out to me every time. I'm like, I'm going to read that book. I don't know anything about it, but <laughs> yeah. I, I just like the title. Yeah, to me, that one kind of evokes, like, a Roberto Bellagio style of writing. So I'm enjoying it, and I'm probably taking my time with it because I want to stay in it. I yeah. like I just enjoy the style of writing. It's like I'll slow down and enjoy this. Well, don't take too long because you've got a few others to get through. <laughs> That's true. But I do love a book where you're just immersed in and you don't want to leave. Yes. Okay, next we have The Memory Please by Yoko Agawa. And it's Japanese from Japan, translated by Stephen Snyder from Pavel Seca. Yes, I've read this book as well. And it's a very dystopian book about memory where they're all living on an island and things get taken away and people just forget about it existing. But there are some people that remember it. I didn't enjoy it as much as... Yoko Ogawa's other books, I really like her as a writer, and I'm so glad Stephen Snyder's going through and translating all her books. Hopefully all her books. Yeah. This one co- was written quite a while ago, wasn't this it? This was one of her first books she ever wrote. I think it was the first one that she got published? Yeah. It was something like that. It was one of her first ones. Yeah. yeah. Like, I think at the time, she got it published and her family didn't even know she was a writer oh, and so like, oh guess what i just been nominated for this literary award yeah and like, you wrote a book? yeah that's pretty much that's what i'd like to do it's just be like surprise i'm good at something <laughs> <laughs> it would be a surprise um do you think you know like when books are translated when they have quite a lot of work already and then it gets translated into English but not in the order that it was released originally. Does that impact your experience? I think they go for the more popular ones, the ones I think they're going to sell the most first. Yeah. And then going all the way back to one of her first books, you can see she's definitely matured and definitely grown as a writer since then. Yeah. But for for. Some people, they might not have read her, and they thought, I oh, like a good dystopian yeah. novel. I experienced her for the first time and really yes, enjoy the book. Right. I've not read any of her books, but I did read about this book, and I, I was like, I thought it sound, like the concept sounded amazing, so it, it is on my list. Um, but it will be my first time reading that author, so maybe that will make a difference. Yes. 
next we have Faces on the Tip of My Tongue by Emmanuel Pagano, which is from France, translated from French, translated by Sophie Lewis and Jennifer Higgins for Kareen Press. Kareen yeah, Press. yeah, this is the book I've almost finished. This is the one that I said almost for. And this is uh, interconnected stories of rural life in France. But it's weird because the French version of this book is about 350 pages. The English version is 150. And yeah, the I think it was the English publisher who has decided to cut out a lot of the interconnected stories and tighten up the book to make it more accessible to English-speaking people. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, I don't know if I like that. I think oh. that's just an abridged book. <laughs> yeah, and I'm assuming the author approved the concept. Well, I don't know. I, I've, I've heard of other cases where this publisher has done similar things, where they cut out, like for Soviet milk, they cut out bits that they didn't think English people would know about Latvian history. Yeah, I don't know anything about Latvian history, and I'm not going to learn if you cut it out of the book. Yes, exactly. I want to read. These are the reasons we read books from That's around right. the world. I feel like that is untrustworthy. Yeah, I, I, it makes me feel weird, and I don't know if I appreciate that. I rather have a full book. Yeah. And I feel like if it was a full book, there would be more connections between the stories. Yeah. And I feel like they just cut off some of those connections. Okay, next we have Little Eyes by Samantha Sweblin, which is translated from the Spanish. It's from Argentina, translated by Megan McDowell for From One World. I'm really excited about this book. Yeah. Samantha Sweblin has been nominated a few times. Yeah. Her first book release was shortlisted. That was Fever Dreams. Mm. And that was a really interesting book. It was wildly popular. Last year, her collection of short stories, Mouthful of Birds, was long-listed. I didn't quite enjoy that much. I feel like because Fever Dreams did so well, they released Mouthful of Birds, which were a lot of her older books. Mm. Older short stories, sorry. And you can see the process she had made to come up with Fever Dreams in that book. But this one is a new book, so we'll get to see her carry on from Fever Dreams into something new. So I'm excited to read that. That doesn't come out till April, I think. Okay, so you don't own it? Not yet. I thought you said you owned all of them. Except the ones that haven't been released. Okay. Next we have The Discomfort of Evening by Marik Lucas Reigenveld. Yes which is translated from Dutch, it's from the Netherlands, and translated by Michelle Hutchinson from Faber and Faber. This is the other book that has a moon release, but it will be released fairly soon, I think in the next couple of weeks. Um, It has been a literary sensation in the Netherlands. It's something that's really sold really well and been talked about and anticipated in the English-speaking world with people that follow, like, world literature. So that's going to be really interesting to see. I believe she's really young, the author. I think she's in her early 20s. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. And then lastly, we have Mac and His Problems 
by Enrique Villamatas, which is Spanish from Spain, translated by Margaret Jewel Costa and Sophie Hughes from Harvel Secker. Yes, I've read this book as well, and I enjoyed it. It kind of about a middle-aged man who's lost his job, and he's decided, I'm going to write about literature because this is what I like to write about. Not a novel, just like a diary of just talking about literature. He kind of starts getting really obsessed with the literature and starts coming up with ways to improve on books or ways to change it and just really getting very obsessed with it. And the book kind of chronicles his um, downward spiral. And I I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed that book. Maybe because I want to write about literature yeah. without downward spiralling. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> well, that sounds good. So what did you think of the list? I th- think it sounds good. <laughs> um, there's like seven books i believe from europe there yeah, yep one from north america yeah what do you think about people calling the ape life a asian book because it's from georgia yeah uh, it I feels guess. like they're trying to boost the numbers of asian books in the long list yeah does it depend on what part of georgia i don't know but i feel like the fact that it's written in german and published by originally by a German publisher, mm. it would probably have a very European feel to it. Yeah. But then Australia published an Iranian book. Yeah, that's true. We're not going to claim it. Aren't we? No. I feel like I am. <laughs> it's an Iranian book. She was from Iran. Yeah. But now she's Australian, you said. True. So is that not how it is? <laughs> no. Do we not? have a proud history of claiming people that aren't really Australian. We do that a lot, and we shouldn't. There's a lot of women in the list. Yeah, it's good. Uh, most of the translators are women as yeah. well, which is good. Sophie Hughes has had a big year. This, yeah. She's on there twice. On there twice, yeah. Mm-hmm. And she's got a new book coming out, or would be out now, which is a collection of women writers throughout Europe called Europa 28. Yes, that sounds good. There's... They are short stories, I believe. It's out this week. Yeah, I believe it's so. So she's been editing that, so she's been pretty busy. Mm. Last year she had a book on the long list and short list, I believe, oh. called The Remainders. So she's really rising as a translating heavyweight, I guess. <laughs> she's like the book, she, the last book is she's. Um, Translated with a legendary translator, Margaret Joel Costa. Yeah. So she's getting into that level of notoriety, I guess. Yeah. Which is really exciting. Yeah. Uh, I think most of the books are from small press as well, which is really yes. exciting. Yeah, I think that's good. Yeah. I mean, I don't know which ones are big and which ones are small, but... Not very many of them um, ring a bell for me. For you. And then if they do, it's probably just because you keep talking about them. Yeah, like charcoal. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> is charcoal press a big press or just one you talk about a lot? Um, it's a small press. Okay. <laughs> and Fitzcarraldo have those very blue, blue covers. Yeah. I know Fitzcarraldo. 
Any of those books you want to read? Yes. I want to read... What did I say? The, the Enlightenment of the Green Gage Tree. Yes. Maybe The Adventures of Chino Iron? Well, you probably wait to see how I get on with it. <laughs> well, I don't know. The way it was described sounded something I'd be interested in. Yeah. Also, The Eighth Life, I think, sounded something interesting. You just like big books. I like Epic big books. historic yeah. novels. And I want to read The Memory Police. I want to read Hurricane Season, I think. I think yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then I'll wait and hear what you think of the others and maybe I'll read them. Yeah. All right. Thank you for coming on and talking about this. No problem. I'll come back again one day. One day, if I let you. You'll let me. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Unless you have a sudden abundance of guest speakers. Uh, yeah, that would be really helpful. If you want to be a guest, get in contact with us. Please. <laughs> yes, all our links to social media and our email address are in the show notes. So if you do want to talk about a book or want to have a topic you'd like to discuss, then get in contact and we'll see if we can make that happen. Yes. Anyway, thanks for listening. Thank you and goodbye. If you want to support Lost in Translations, please go to patreon.com forward slash translations pod and all money there will help support the show. And please remember to subscribe and while subscribing, please rate the show. This will help others find the podcast. All our links to social media are in the show notes and you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook and let's see under translations pod. Thank you for listening. This podcast was recorded on the lands of the Walgarukabar and Bindal people. We acknowledge their ownership of this land and all the traditional owners in Australia and acknowledge their care of the land. This is a Macaulay Flower production. <laughs>